Mac Power Users, episode 198. Evernote. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hi, Katie Floyd. How are you feeling? Uh, You know, up, down, in, out. I'm back. I'm here. I'm so excited, though, because we're talking about one of my all-time favorite topics. And you suggested this topic, so I was so happy. It was my idea. I have been doing kind of an Evernote spirit quest for the last month or so. I thought I wanted to report to the audience where I'm at with it. Is this going to be like your reader journey? No, it's not nearly as exciting as that one was. But uh, I do have some thoughts on Evernote, and um, it's growing on me. I guess that's the summary. If you just want to listen to that part and go on, that's it's growing on me. All right, cool. Well, I'm I'm excited that you're using Evernote. I've been a big fan of Evernote forever, and so I, I figured what we'd kind of do in this episode, at least following the outline, is you know talking a little bit a, a little bit at the beginning about what Evernote is and the types of things that you can do with it because we we cover that. You know, most people are already aware of that, so we won't won't spend too much focus there. But I, I think what people will get more use for is, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about your spirit quest with Evernote, and then maybe give some examples of of how we use Evernote in uh, hopes of inspiring other people, and then and then some some power user tips for using Evernote. Yeah, we we asked on Twitter today for if people how they're using Evernote. We got some really great tweets, so we're going to include some of those. Yeah, I hope you wrote some of those down. Yeah, well, I've got it open, Katie Floyd. I'm ready. All right. Somebody's prepared. That's all that matters. Yeah. So here, here's a question that I get all the time, and I have a very difficult time answering it. And that is simply, what is Evernote? How do you describe it to somebody who has never used Evernote before? I, I like the term everything bucket. Um, it seems kind of appropriate. The first time I ever heard that term was in, in reference to Yojimbo. Yeah. Which I immediately really Doug, I mean, I was I was a pretty serious Yojimbo user for a while, but uh, as I moved to more devices, it, I was having trouble, you know, kind of keeping track of the data. But Evernote is a natural successor to Yojimbo in some ways. But an everything bucket can also have a very negative connotation because when I think of everything bucket. I have this vision of disorganization. I think of the junk drawer. I think of the completely cluttered garage where you can't find anything. I, I mean, I think of, of chaos. Well, I think for some people, that's what Evernote is. That's probably <laughs> true. You know, it, it, it holds a lot of different types of files. Uh, at the most basic level, it holds notes. You know, you can just type in text notes. Although those aren't plain text notes. They're HTML notes. Um, and we'll talk about that in the show. Uh, it holds web clippings, so if you're on websites you like, you can save them to Evernote. PDFs, uh, image files, documents, Word, and Microsoft Office documents. And really? I think I w- just about any type of document. Did you know Evernote will even hold, like, sparse bundles and things? I didn't know it will hold sparse bundles. Yeah, I, le- cool. I learned that from uh, our buddy Bradley Chambers in his Learning to Love Evernote series. And if you have en- encrypted sparse bundles, it'll. I yep. guess it would make a difference yep. if it's encrypted or not encrypted. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. So you could put some data that you want to keep super secure. If you wanted to save to Evernote, you could sparse bundle it up. What about package files? I think he files? does that with his taxes. What about package files? I've never tried to put like a Scrivener file in Evernote and then pull it down and see if it got wrecked or not. I don't know why it wouldn't, but you've caught me unprepared. We're going off script. Yeah. Well, package files are kind of a unique animal and it, but, it's not But zip files, I know it would. Yeah. Definitely a zip file. Uh, movies? It, I've yeah. put movies in Evernote before. 
So the idea is, as an everything bucket, you can throw a lot of different types of digital cruft into there, and and you don't have to have it be a big, ugly mess. It can actually organize and sort it for you. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but also, they support just about every platform that anybody listening to this show is going to be on. They have the Mac. They have an iOS platform, you know, so they're on the iPhone and the iPad with some pretty nice apps. They're on the PC, the web, Android. You know, you can get your data anywhere. So if you're sitting at a PC at work and you've got this Evernote file, you put some text into there and then later you're home on your Mac, it's there for you. And and that is why, um, you know, I think the relationship with Yojimbo is one I come back to several times because it kind of defines my initial thoughts about Evernote and and I still judge Evernote by kind of the Yojimbo standard because Yojimbo, if you're not aware of it, was another everything bucket, but it was a native app. Well, Yojimbo's was, still out there. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there, but it's not. And I know they've got some cloud syncing, but I haven't really gone very far with it because I want it to really sync. I want it to be able to open on my iPad and get to all of that data. Last time I checked, they didn't do that. Maybe they do now, but it I, is this. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to remind me before we get too far to tell you about my trip to Evernote. Yeah, we will. Okay, we'll talk about that. But I guess this is as good a time as any to kind of talk about my feelings towards Evernote over over time. When it first arrived, um, Tim Verporten, our friend Tim, uh, yeah. was the one who turned me on to it. And it was kind of unknown at the time. It wasn't a big deal. But when I heard about it, I'm like, what a great idea. You know, make notebooks that will sync across all devices and all platforms in the cloud storage. Seems like a great idea. I was one of the first people. And I got a T-shirt. I got the Evernote T-shirt when I did the original $50 subscription the first year they came out. Wow. I didn't get a T-shirt. I mean, I yeah, should well, have gotten a T-shirt, but I didn't get one of the original ones. Well, I, I got one. I'm one of the original, you know, subscribers, I guess. And so... I got the t-shirt. I was really kind of digging it. Um, they had, they very early in their development, they had the trick where you can upload a photograph and they perform OCR on the server, but they didn't have PDFs at the time. It was just the, uh, the photographs. And that was kind of a cool trick to show people, but yeah, they were, never... they were advertising it as your external brain. And, and the, the, the promo and the pitch that I kept hearing, I think this is the story that would go around. You could go around and take pictures of things that you wanted to remember and, when it got uploaded to the Evernote server, it would OCR the text in those pictures, and and you could search by all kinds of criteria. Criteria. Yeah, so I had like my tea notebook, and I would take a picture of every tea that I drank. I would take a picture of the label, and I had a little notebook with that, and I could search it through, and I could say, you know, oolong, and then I would have five or six teas show up, and and this is be you know the the, the service has really progressed a lot since then. Now there's geo awareness and a lot of other stuff we'll talk about with some of the power tips later. But at the time it was, it was a great idea. Uh, but I thought it had a really sucky user interface and it was basically web-based and they were, you know, they're slowly getting to the apps. They, the original apps they had on iOS were, I thought really kind of terrible. And I think that it was just really, they were struggling to kind of make everything work with this backend web and, and some of the original iPhones really didn't have a super fast data connection. So they probably had all sorts of struggles with that, that they had to deal with. But I even found it kind of crashy and just not that well done. And this is where I'm talking about the Yojimbo context. Yojimbo was such a finely crafted application that 
it really felt like it was working with me instead of against me. As an example, as I've talked about on the show in the past in reference to Evernote, when I put something in Yojimbo and I wanted to get it out later, I just drug it out and it was out. And it was a really a container that I can put stuff in and pull stuff out. Well, for a couple of years there, Evernote felt to me kind of like a roach motel kind of app where it was really easy to put stuff in and then getting stuff out. You didn't always get what you expected. And, and we know people that ever that's fair. Yeah. And we know people that ever, and we talked about it. They always appreciated that. And it wasn't that they were trying to trap people into it. It's just that in order to make it multi-platform, they had to bring everything down to like an HTML, you know, I guess to make it simplified. And I'm sure I'm oversimplifying, but they had to bring it to kind of a common denominator to get it to move across the internet and work on every kind of computer that you want to hook up to it. And in the process of doing that, they made it a lot harder to do that drag in and drag out process. Well, um, that moved on for a while. And then what really kind of got me thinking about Evernote again was, was drafts, you know, our, our favorite iOS app drafts started to get really interesting hooks into Evernote where you could make custom draft scripts that would send things to specific notebooks and do all this cool stuff with Evernote. And it just got me thinking that Evernote had come a long way since I had kind of, backed off of it. And one of the things they've added is the ability to always know where you're at because it's on your phone and they added binders or notebooks that we're going to talk about so that they got better organizational and tagging skills and the iOS apps matured a great deal. I mean, not only do they not crash anymore, they're actually pretty attractive and, and do a good job of, of holding all this stuff together in logical fashion. So I started re-exploring it probably about a year ago. And I've been slowly getting my hooks into it deeper and deeper. And I, I realized about a month ago, wow, I'm actually using Evernote a lot more than I used to say I did. And maybe it's time to kind of really get serious about getting more out of Evernote. And that led me to saying, hey, Katie, why don't we do another show on Evernote? I'm really resisting the urge to say I told you so. Well, I don't think that you can, because I think the complaints I had were legitimate. If it if it stayed the way it was, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be saying this stuff, but they got better. Please email David. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's get in line. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, one of the things that I've always liked about Evernote is that it is ridiculously simple to get things into Evernote, um, which for me always made it a very easy it, it became my file default file management system for the iPhone. And even today, as we sit here and record this show, you know, sitting here after WWDC, we don't, you know, things are going to probably change a little more with iOS 8, but there is no finder. There is no file management system on the iPhone. And that has always been a struggle. So if you wanted documents on the iPhone, if you wanted access to all of these documents, you had to have them in some other kind of solution. And you were a big Dropbox fan and I'm a big Dropbox fan for other reasons. Um, but I started looking at the types of data that I had on my computer and certainly I have projects that are in progress and things that I'm actively working on, but I also had a lot of, you know, what I would consider archival data, you know, so much of the information on my computer, so much of the, many of the documents that I have, so many of the PDFs that I had, so much of that stuff was, was really what I would consider read only information, um, 
information that I would I would put into this system and I really wasn't working with it on a day-to-day basis. And you know, even if I was working with it occasionally, then that wasn't so much of a problem, but putting documents into Evernote made sense because Evernote could kind of become the secondary file management system for me that suddenly became available to me everywhere. Yes, it was still available on my Mac. Um, through the Evernote application, but it was also available on my iPhone. It was also available on my iPad. It was also available um, at that time on my PC at work through the web interface uh, or through the PC application for Evernote um, or now through my Mac at work through the Evernote application. It was just all of this stuff was was everywhere. And that didn't necessarily include the documents that I was working on day to day. And we've got other great solutions for that, like Dropbox and iCloud and things. But for that stuff, again, that, that kind of read-only stuff that I'm, I'm putting in for informational purposes, that reference material, things that I'm referring to, it doesn't, it just doesn't need to be sitting in, in folders on, on my computer when I can do so much more with it um, sitting in Evernote. And so getting things into Evernote has always been ridiculously simple, just from a simple drag and drop things in, um, or Evernote assigns everybody uh, an email address. So if I get a bit of information or something that's attached to an email, I can just forward it to Evernote. Or if it's uh, something that I'm browsing on the web, I can use the web clipper um, or all of these third-party services like Drafts, like Instapaper, like, you know, insert name of favorite web service here, uh, have hooks into Evernote, like if this, then that. So it was really easy for me to get all my documents, regardless of where I was, into Evernote. And that just made it very simple to use. That's how I kind of got started with it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's never been difficult to get your data into Evernote. And it's never been that difficult to access it from the various devices. Once you put a PDF in Evernote, you're going to see it, whatever computer or iOS device you've got hooked in. And that's kind of a good... A jumping off point for when I decided to take it seriously again, what types of data did I first start putting into it? And a natural for this was using use of their folder system. Uh, they don't call them folders. I think they call them notebooks. Um, yeah, notebooks and then nested notebooks became notebook stacks. Yeah. So you can, you, you've got a couple layers of hierarchy and and by well, couple really two, won. you really only yeah. have two. You can you have really notebooks have. in a stack, and then you can have notebooks. Yeah. So you've got a individual note, and those can be combined into a notebook. And there's and, really and, not well, much and, more to and it. And then notebooks can be combined into stacks. So there are yeah, but, couple, yeah. yeah. So there's not a whole lot there, but uh, that kind of gave me, and that, and that was a better organizational method than uh, Yojimbo, which only had one layer of organization, only had one layer of folder uh, organization. Uh, but so when it, a natural for me was these books I'm writing. So I've got at any one time, I'm collecting information on the next two or three Max Parkey field guides I'm going to write. And I'll see something on the internet that's about whatever the next topic is. By the way, Katie, I'm going to be announcing the next book really soon. It's not going to be for sale exactly. I'm going to do pre-sales, but you're going to see the name of the book probably within a few days of the show going live. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so I've always got these this information, and and in the past, my workflow was to save that information to a folder on Dropbox, which wasn't that hard. But you know, there's different kinds of information. Sometimes I have a little note, and sometimes I have a PDF, and sometimes I have a website, and it seemed like a natural fit for Evernote. So I started working with Evernote in that 
regard. And I created uh, different notebooks for each future title. And I just dump stuff in there. And then when I go to write it, then I can look through it. And usually I find most, most of it stuff I don't even want anymore, but well, you know, there's still some good stuff in there. And then I organize those into a stack, which is, you know, the field guide stack in my Evernote stuff. And I found that really quite easy. And all the tools Katie was talking about, I immediately started using one of them that I think is really amazing. And let's just stop and talk about this for a minute is the Evernote web clipper. So if you're listening to the show and you're an Evernote user and you haven't installed this, just stop right now and go install it because I think it adds a whole bunch of value to the service. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit, Katie? Well, tell people what it is first. What? You see, I know you get kind of excited about this, so I didn't want to steal your thunder. But, okay. Well, but, it's a, is it an extension? Is that the right word for it? it, it it's an add-on, I guess, to Safari or to the various web browsers. Yeah, it just goes up into the toolbar on your browser, and it supports Safari and Chrome, and I believe it even supports Internet Explorer if you're if you know if you roll that way. But you better use that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got they've got it into most of the major browsers, and it's just a little button you push when you're on a web page. And that's all great, but they've been continually continuing to evolve this over time. The first thing it did that I thought was really quite remarkable is it looks at the website and compares it to the various notebooks you have. And it's uncanny how good it is at figuring out where it belongs. As an example, when I was preparing for the email book, I remember um, there was some stuff going on just as I was finishing that book with with Mavericks and email and some people were writing articles about it. And it was stuff I was thinking, well, maybe I need to include this in the book and I'd see an article about it and I'd click the Evernote web clipper and it would say, would you like me to put this into the email field guide book? It suggested the appropriate book for it. It continues to do that. And I think that's a really great, that's a really great, great thing. You know, it, it solves that problem for you. It's not a dumb uh, clip. You just cl- you don't just click the button and have to go find the appropriate notebook. And you know, most of the time, it, it finds it for you. The other things that it will do um, is it will let you selectively choose what you want to clip. So you could clip a whole page. I mean, that's easy enough to do. Um, but it's also intelligent. It, is, it will try to clip the main feature of a page or the main article of a page. Uh, or you can tell it to clip the simplified article of a page, which will give you kind of like a, a reader view. Um, in fact, it may be using reader. I think it is. Um, yeah. Is it real? Yeah. To do the simplified view. Um, or you can take a screenshot. And so there are different methods that you can use to clip these page, or you can clip just a, a bookmarklet. And whatever it is you decide to clip right there in the Evernote um, web extension, it gives you the ability to mark up with Sketch-like functionality, because, you know, Evernote uh, and Sketch are one and the same. So you can mark up directly on the web page, you know, highlight things, draw arrows, you know, put stamps on them, blur particular things out. So you can do that right on the web page as you clip it, and then either clip it directly to your notebook or clip it and then immediately share a link to your annotated clipping or your saved clipping. Yeah, and and that it didn't start out that way. You know, it starts out with one feature and then they keep adding. They've done it the way they've done it. It's a slide out. I guess you'd call it a drawer, even though I guess we're not supposed to say that anymore from the right side of the screen. And it's really easy to use. And it's, it's really a nice feature. And so as part of my life, I'm trying to write books and research books. Well, Evernote solved a problem for me where it made it easier to get information into it. Another feature I was using for that was the mail 
a super mail address. And I want to talk about that, but I think first we should probably take a minute and talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, our our first sponsor in today's episode is our good friends over at lynda.com. And I love Linda because Linda will help you learn how to keep up to date with all of your software, how to help you pick up new skills, how to help you explore new hobbies. Uh, and what they have is they have thousands of video tutorial courses that are taught by industry experts with more being added weekly. So for example, if this show inspires you and you want to learn more about Evernote, guess what? There's a lynda.com course on that. Um, if you want to learn more about, um, hey, Evernote integrates with if this, then that, and I think that'd be pretty cool, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about if this, then that. You know, there's an Evernote course for getting up and running with if this, then that. Um, if you want to install Evernote on your iPad, but you're thinking, hey, this is this is great. How can I use my iPad as a better tool for managing my business? You know, there's a uh, lynda.com course for that. So just about anything you can think of from um, professional level software like Adobe Creative Cloud, Final Cut Pro and Logic um, to even learning about how to get become more efficient and productive in your professional life. Uh, there are lynda.com tutorials for that. And best of all, you can get access to all of this great video content for one low monthly price of only $25. That's not per course. That's per month. And it's all you can eat, unlimited access to the entire lynda.com library. And I love doing lynda.com sponsor reads in the summer because so many people have additional time in the summer. You know, maybe they've got time off from their jobs. Maybe they're going on vacation. Maybe your kids are home from school and you, you want to find a way to keep them busy. Um, or maybe you want to add some new skills and beef up your resume. You've got a little downtime. Lynda.com is a great way to do that, and you can get a whole summer's worth of content for less than a hundred bucks. Um, check it out. Uh, but if you want to try it before you buy it, uh, Lynda.com has hooked us up with a special offer just for Mac Power user listeners. Visit Lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash Mac Power users to start your seven day free trial. You can watch anything. You can. Take as many courses as you want in that seven day. And if you decide to, to sign up, uh, please let them know that David and I sent you. All right. Let's talk about uh, the other way I was getting information into it when I started doing these notebooks. And it was email because occasionally I get uh, good ideas from readers. For instance, I just got a, 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 um, a email the other day from a reader who read the email book and had a suggestion for a future update. And again, I want to capture that information very easily. So I forward it to my super secret Evernote email address. When you get an Evernote account. Which you won't account, give me either. No, you can't have that either, Katie. Um, Katie Floyd. Uh, what you do is when you set up an Evernote account, and if you've got an Evernote account and you haven't enabled this yet, that's another one you need to pause the podcast and go do right now. So you get the super secret email address. Then you create a contact in your contacts database. And the mine is called Evernote upload. And you put that super secret thing in there. And so when I get the message from the reader who says, Hey, you should really add this to a future update. I can just forward that email to my Evernote. I just type in ever, you know, and obviously Apple mail is pretty smart. It fills in the Evernote up, update, uh, super secret email address. And then in the subject line, I put at email update because I have an, uh, a notebook called email update. And then when Evernote receives it at that super secret address, it says, Hey, this is something David wants to put in Evernote. And look, it's got the little at symbol with 
with um, email update. Do, does he have a notebook called email update? Why, yes, he does. Okay, so I'm going to take that email and shuttle it into that notebook. So all that is managed by me just forwarding an email and adding the word email update to the email. And that is a really efficient way for me to capture information. I don't have to add it to OmniFocus as a task to add this to future update of the book, because I know when I do the email update, I'm going to go through that binder and sort through all that stuff. And it doesn't give me the emotional baggage of having to figure out if this is something I'm actually going to add or not. I just keep collecting all this stuff and then I can weigh through it when it's time to really focus on that problem. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of the the email address, it this may be a good time to talk about, or I guess we talk about later in the show, how we use that feature in collaboration and preparation of the show. Yeah, why not? It, it's it's very similar. Yeah, because I, I joke about how you won't give me access to your Evernote email address, but you do in a limited way, a very limited way, uh, give me access to your, your Evernote account. And you and I have set up a couple of shared MPU notebooks. Um, we've got one for feedback, and that's what we go through every month when it comes time to create the MPU feedback show. Um, and I think we've got one for you know future show research when we come across something interesting. And, and right now it's filled, I got to tell you, with Devon Think ideas. But yeah. um, so when somebody sends us something interesting for feedback that we want to include on the MPU feedback show, we really struggled for a long time. What do we do with this? We would start a Google spreadsheet. You know, we just didn't know how to handle it. And so some one of us, I think it was you, David, had the clever idea to, well, let's just organize this and never note notebook. So that email gets forwarded to either yours or my super secret Evernote email address. It really doesn't matter. And we simply add the at MPU feedback to the end of that email uh, subject line, and it automatically goes into that notebook. So whoever's prepping the MPU live feedback show that particular month weeds through that notebook, and then as they add it to the outline, um, they can delete the feedback out of the notebook. And that's that's the super secret way that that we manage all of our feedback for the show. And, and an added uh, power user tip is use text expander to put the the keyword in for the notebook. So at MP, MPU feedback, I just type MPUF. 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 And uh, then it automatically puts the at, you know, MPU feedback in there because writing those extra, you know, seven or eight characters would just kill me. I type FB. What do you type? FB, feedback. Okay. That's not what you told me the first time we talked about this. <laughs> I have a special text expander for that. Or is that just for email to me? Yes. I think that's just email to me, right? <laughs> well, if you get an email, back, if you send something in for the show and you um, and you see in the subject line at MPU feedback added to the subject line, then you know you definitely made the cut you're in. Well, you made the first cut. You made it into the Evernote notebook. That doesn't That doesn't mean you made the outline. So that's true, but we try to get most of it in the, uh, but that's, that's a very simple solution that Evernote solves with its cloud-based, you know, data model. I mean, the, you know, the big problem we had before was really that the data model, because I would get emails and I could put them into my, um, OmniFocus saying, add this to the feedback show, but it wasn't showing up in Katie's or I could, I could do, um, I could make an Omni outline, but once again, it wasn't really going on Katie's computer. So then we said, well, let's, the next evolution of that was let's go to a, a cloud-based data model. So we started blocking and copying the text from the emails and putting it into a shared Google document. 
And I guess now we could, by the way, do that with a shared pages document. Yeah. Um, but then and, while you're reading the email, you've got to have Google Docs open. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's one more point of friction. Yeah. And, and what would happen is the email would accumulate because you wouldn't want to do it. Stop and do that every time you saw an email because we get quite a bit of email. Um, but now it's really easy. You just forward the email, you know, fire off a text expander snippet. And I can even do it like in a reply. I might reply to the listener saying, this is really great. We're going to use this. And I'll still put the um, I'll still put the the note in the subject line and and blind copy the Evernote, and then Katie gets it there and she sees that I replied to it and that everything's ready to go. Pretty cool. I, I'm not aware of a better way to solve that problem. I think that that's a good use of Evernote. Yeah, I think we stole that. Uh, I think we also stole that tip from Bradley Chambers. Did we? I think we should probably plug his book at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a, a book learning to an ebook learning to love Evernote. And I think I think I first heard of that tip. I think that's how he and Fraser Spears manage feedback for their show. Um, um yeah, although, and also, although I ahead. think I think what they do is is you know how we have the feedback at MacPowerUsers.com address that comes to both of us? I think they have whatever their feedback address is just goes directly to Evernote somehow. Yeah, we could do that, but a lot of time listeners ask questions that you we know, have, one of we us. have to respond to, yeah. Yeah. The um it's it's a great solution though, and and I'm very pleased with it. So that's another way Evernote could make your life easier. So how would this apply in your day-to-day life if you had coworkers and you had a project where you're multiple people managing these emails, you could very easily have it go into one of these shared databases. I now on a on a much larger scale, um, Evernote has this with their Evernote for Business program. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to play with that at all. No, I haven't. But I, my understanding is it works basically the same way, but on a on a much larger scale with much many more things than notebooks shared. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to go there right now. The you know, you know running a business off this stuff is a I guess a whole another kettle of fish. And we're going to talk about the cloud model and, you know, denial of service attacks <laughs> yeah. later in the show. But the um, uh, but on a personal level, I think this is just a really great solution. And I guess kind of bringing this around on the books as I'm working on the next book, one of the one of the steps in the process is I have an OmniFocus task, you know, clear out the Evernote notebooks. And and that's just one ta- one task, but it may take me two or three hours to get through all the stuff in there. But it's so much easier for me to do it that way and not have to manage each individual piece of feedback or each individual idea for the book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I think next, you know, if you're done talking about ways that you get stuff in Evernote, maybe we should talk a little bit about examples of, of how we use Evernote. I know we've been, you know, hopping in and out of those various topics a little bit here. Okay, let's do it. How about you first? Yeah. Well, I've been using Evernote for a while, uh, I, and I use it in, in different ways for different aspects of my life. And maybe to, to have this make a little more sense, I, I, I should talk a little bit about my, my organization system in Evernote. Yeah, uh, so what do you do with I this should... stuff once you get it in there? Well, so I've, I uh, – let's talk about tags a little bit later. But um, I, I keep everything in, in notebooks. I'm a big, you know – nested folder person. We talked about that. And what was that episode we did? The hunter versus gatherer episode. We've talked about that several times. I know. So yeah. I, I have a, a basic notebook structure with a number of notebook stacks and then many, many notebooks underneath it. I, I probably have a couple of dozen notebooks. And so I may be a little notebook overload, but 
Um, for example, I have big headers in my notebook stacks. Like I have one called accounting. I have one called family. I have one called house stuff. Um, I have a couple related to work, one just called law and one called legal research. I have one called Mac Power Users. I have one called just a generic personal. Uh, I have one called Tech. And then I have another one called Vault, and that's mainly an archive. And I call it Vault because they're organized alphabetically, and I just like it to be at the bottom. It took me a long time to come up with a V word for that. I know. I bet you really like laid awake thinking about that. Well, because originally I called it archive, and then it was at the top. And I was like, this isn't right. I want it at the bottom. Do you have any notebooks that are not in a stack? Uh, yes, I have, well, two, but one uh, doesn't count. What, what are they? One's the trash. Yeah. That doesn't count. I have an inbox, or more okay. specifically, I have an at inbox. Does it drive you crazy to see those two there sometimes? No, because they're special notebooks. Okay. O- only special notebooks are not in stacks. As long as they're special. Yes. Um, you know, the, the inbox is just what it sounds like. And I'll talk more about that later. And then the trash is, you know, the trash. Okay. So you are a, uh, a collector of stacks. You're not a tagger. I am. Well, I have tagged things because I have Hazel scripts that will automatically tag things, but I, I do not routinely tag things. Let's, let's talk about tagging. Do you tag things? And not that much. Okay. Not that much. I, as I've been kind of exploring with, with Evernote further, I've been thinking about, you know, different ways to use these multiple criteria because there isn't a whole lot of room. You know, I'm used to nested folders where I can have many layers deep of nested folders if I need. Uh, Here you don't get that. So using tags, you could give a separate, you know, kind of criteria to separate from the folders. For instance, um, in my day job, I've got forms, you know, different things I've collected over the years that I want to use as a form for this or that. And no matter what you do, if it involves words, you've probably got some form text somewhere. Why not just give those a form tag? And then I don't have to have a whole collection of um, folders or notes called forms. I can instead, you know, break it up in some other criteria and just use the keyword or tag form to to immediately cycle down to all those. Also, I think it would make it easier to search some of these things because I want to search for a form that has a specific type of contract. Well, I could immediately cycle everything out except those forms by using a tag. Um, So I I am interested in the tags. I started using them. I'm not as experienced as an Evernote user as you, though. So it's curious to me that you've never really adopted tags. I think one of the reasons that I haven't adopted tags so is, is because I have so many notebooks. Um, you know, for example, some, some people would tag things, you know, receipt and tax related, but I have a tax receipts notebook and, you know, some people may tag something form. Well, I have a forms folder inside my, my law folder. Uh, I have a samples folder inside my law folder. So maybe I have too many folders that form, you know, tags just haven't become useful. I also, I don't use tags much on my Mac either. Yeah, well, that that might change, um, you know, with everything happening. One of the questions that never got answered for me at a WWDC is, I understand with the iCloud Drive, you're going to be able to put anything you want in there, but will the tags in those things appear on iOS? And if they do... I think so. That's going to be pretty compelling reason to look seriously at tags, but I think we're kind of going off the reservation a little bit. Uh, getting, getting back to your organization, so you've got a series of stacks. Yes, and is that the sum total of how you organize things? 
Well, I have specific naming conventions. Yeah. Um, for certain things. So almost everything that goes into Evernote starts with a date. Um, and you know, then gets a description. One of the beauties of Evernote is it has such robust search features that I think for me eliminates some of the need for tags. So with everything dated, with everything, um, and, and Evernote will give you some degree of date, but I, uh, you know, I'd like to have everything dated anyway. But with the search features, I, I can't tell you a time that something that I think I've put into Evernote and then searched for, I haven't been able to quickly find within just a matter of seconds. And I guess that's really the the problem that you're solving with tags. If you don't have the problem, then who who cares, right? Right. Now, I will tell you one of the downsides is um, sometimes I, I find too much. You know, like, for example, my, my internet provider is Cox Cable. And if I'm looking for a specific Cox Cable bill or if I'm looking for all of my Cox Cable bills for a particular year to find out, okay, well, how has my cable bill changed? You know, if I go into my statements notebook and I type in the word Cox, I'm going to find a lot of things because, you know, Evernote OCRs everything. So I'm going to see every bank statement from every month because that has the word Cox in it somewhere where I've, where I've paid the bill, you know, and then I'm going to see the utility bill. So sometimes, you know, I do have to, to weep things down a bit. That's a, a whole nother topic too. And maybe we should get into that. The idea of storing all your paperless documents in Evernote, this is a really common usage for the service. And I get it. Why? Because it solves several problems. Number one is the stuff is accessible to you from anywhere. Uh, the search the search and find uh, tools are excellent. So you're going to be able to find things, except for the problem Katie was talking about, where it's almost too good. Um, the uh, the stuff is, is going to be OCR'd for you in the cloud. And... You know, there's a lot to like about it. I, all that being said, I still don't put my digital uh, paperless records in Evernote. And the reason for that is I'm just not that comfortable putting all of my personal business in their cloud service. Okay. I, I'm not sure why, because I am storing a good deal of it in Dropbox. Uh, however, Dropbox isn't searching it and OCRing it for me and doing a lot of this other stuff. Now, that adds value to the data, but it also tells me that somebody else is, is reading it, even if it's just by a computer. Um, the other thing about Dropbox is everything is stored locally in addition. So if Dropbox, you know, went up in flames, I would know I'd still have my data. Um, and, you know, like as we record the show, Evernote's going through a denial of service attack where I know some people are having trouble actually getting data out of Evernote right now. Well, I can tell you all of my reasons why I do store my paperless system in there and, and this, you know. Bring it, bring yeah. it. But I think I'm going to make you wait. Okay. Why don't we take a <laughs> quick break and talk about our sponsor first? Okay, let's do that. And this, uh, we, our sponsor, 1Password, is back with the show and we really appreciate having them here. I think the time for 1Password has really arrived. And we've been talking about it on the show for a few years now, but... Thing doesn't it seem like every time you go on the internet and you read about another company that has compromised your data, uh, more than ever, uh, companies are getting hacked. They're getting access to user data and passwords, and that's resulting in uh, subjecting the users to attacks from other vectors. I mean, if if you have the same password at your 
iTunes account and your Amazon account, well, guess what happens when they get your Amazon password? They're going to immediately take it over and get into your iTunes account. And it's not easy to come up with a good system to create your own custom unique passwords. And that's the problem that 1Password solves for you. Um, I was talking to a couple of our geek friends uh, recently who were telling me that, you know what? I always thought I could do it myself, but I finally gave up and just bought 1Password because it's just getting too scary and it's too much vulnerability out there. So what happens is you install 1Password, it puts a little uh, uh, thing in your Safari uh, toolbar or whatever browser you use. And if you're at a new website, it'll create a password for you that's strong and unique. And you can make it as long as you want. So you can really make a nice, long, secure password. And then it'll remember it for you. So when you go to log in later, you're all set. It does a lot more than that, though. It also stores um, secure notes and it does a lot of great data management stuff for you. It can go and fill in. But they keep adding to the service. I mean, the people at 1Password are really dedicated to giving you really safe and secure computing experiences. Well, they just did this thing that's really great. And it's called the Watchtower service. You know how you read once in a while and you'll say, hey, so-and-so just got all their passwords hacked. And now um, all those accounts are vulnerable. And hey, wait a second. I use a so-and-so account. I better go in and update my password. Well, the problem is you're not always going to know what services you're using that have been hacked because you're not watching the news every day to see where it goes. And sometimes, frankly, these companies try to kind of keep that secret. They don't really want to make a big deal about the fact that they didn't, you know, protect your data well enough. So the Watchtower service looks at all the passwords and the services you've got, and it gives you a nice big red banner if there's a problem. And if like the website has been recently hacked, they tell you and they advise you to go in and reset your password. So not only is 1Password helping you create better security at the front end, it's protecting your security at the back end. That's just one of the many things you can do with 1Password. If you haven't done it yet, really, it's time to get yourself protected with something like 1Password. Go check it out. You can get it in the Mac App Store. They have also bundles at the website at onepassword.com for Mac and Windows together if you want to have uh, on both platforms. They have an iOS app you can download and they use iCloud and they use Dropbox. They sync all this stuff across. It does a great job of giving you really great protection while at the same time not getting in your way. Check out 1Password and and thanks a lot 1Password for supporting the show. Well, now that I tell you that I store all of my paperless data in the cloud after you tell me about all these cloud services getting hacked and denial of service attacks, I'm a little nervous. Well, that's kind of one of the reasons I don't do it yet. I, I like having control of that those records just on my own. And it might be irrational because I do store a good uh, portion of it in a cloud service. Um, although I've moved a lot of that over tr- to Transporter because, once again, I, I'm as I get older, I'm trying to kind of get the stuff off of the public servers as much as possible. Right. Well, let me let me give you my rationalization for it and, and tell you why I, I picked this particular method. Um, first off, to address, and, and I will tell you with this general caveat or tell our listeners, just because I do it doesn't mean you should do it. And I've made this choice for me, and the choice that I make for me isn't necessarily the same choice that I would make for someone else's data that I was protecting. So, um, you know, just make your own decision based on how you feel about these things, not based on how I feel about these things. But when I think about the types of information that I am putting in my paperless system inside um, Evernote, I would tell you that 95 plus percent of it is information that came from the internet. 
You know, it's bank statements that I'm already downloading online. It's credit card statements that I'm already downloading online. It's utility bill and cable bills and things like that that are already available online. Uh, you know, it's retirement statements that, you know, I download. I mean, almost all of these types of statements are delivered to me electronically in some way because, you know, here I am, you know, Katie Floyd, paperless person. I, that stuff just hardly ever comes in my mailbox anymore. And so I've set up this great Hazel rule um, that will automatically download that. And it, it does actually tag it because it's a very easy thing to do with the Hazel rule, you know, and put it in the proper um, Evernote notebook. And so okay. now, let me interrupt right there for a minute. We should put a link in the show notes because I thought that um, Katie's Hazel rule is really great. Her Evernote rule. It's a little bit of Apple script and it makes it very easy to send this stuff straight over to Evernote with yeah. no work. Yeah, I wrote this up for Macworld, and so we'll put a link to that uh, Macworld article in the show note. But basically what happens is, is let's use my cable bill, for example. You get an email from the cable company saying, hey, your cable bill is ready. You go to the cable company's website. You click the link to download your, your cable bill, which usually comes down as a PDF. Um, Hazel knows the criteria to look for. It knows that, hey, documents that have this particular criteria – that's Katie's cable bill, you know, because maybe it's read the documents, maybe it's OCR'd it, maybe it's whatever. So it names it appropriately and then puts it in Evernote in the proper category with the proper tags. So it's real simple. All I have to do is go to the website and click the download button. And, and Katie's not an edge case with storing all of her paperless documents in Evernote. I mean, I get a lot of feedback from people all over the world about how they do their paperless workflows as a result of that book. And there are a lot of people out there that have come to rely upon Evernote as their, you know, document depository for their paperless stuff. And it makes a ton of sense in a lot of ways. It does the OCR for you. If you have a good document management or tagging system, it makes it easy to find the stuff and you can have it wherever you're at. I will tell you that I haven't quite gotten to the point of um, storing my taxes in Evernote yet. I'm probably not far from that, but I haven't gone there yet. But if you think about it, data, uh, uh, I just called you data. Gosh, what a compliment that is. Computing. Computing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you think about it, David, how much uh, of the documents that you pulled down from you know, and you store in your Dropbox solution came off the Internet or available on the Internet? Okay, so on that point, uh, you're right. Uh, I get a bank statement. I get that from the Internet. And there's a very specific relationship between me and my bank. And there's a very specific protocol I go through to get that data. And I feel pretty comfortable that, and except for the possibility that there's somebody in the middle between that download and it landing on my hard drive, that's a very secure location. And I think I'm going to be just fine. Uh, when you put it in Evernote, it's not the same thing. It's uh, it's another place that you're storing the data. And if someone has, and we're going to talk about two-factor authentication, which we both will recommend, yes. but if you're not, if you don't have that enabled, if someone has your email address or your username, which isn't going to be hard to guess, plus your password for whatever reason, uh, that is a much easier nut to crack than getting into my bank. So I don't think that analogy entirely holds up. Well, so you're telling me, if I have your Evernote username and password, I've got access to all your Evernote data, sure. Well, assuming you haven't turned on two-factor authentication, which you should. But if you have my bank's username and password, you've got access to all my bank account data. You can well, you can empty my account and transfer money out. 
there's additional layers you have to get through to get to my bank account. And frankly, if you if you home uh, phone in from a device that hasn't been used before, there's even more layers. See, I I don't know about with my bank, there are just as many, if not more security layers, I think, in getting to my Evernote data than there are to getting in my bank because my bank doesn't have two factor authentication. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of the big trump card there. If you're going to be doing this stuff, you need to have two-factor authentication. If you're using Evernote to keep little snippets of websites that you like, or even like someone like me, research for books, it's not that big of a deal if someone hacks into it. Um, but if you're going to start putting real personal stuff up there, you need to take some steps to secure it. I guess, should we take a minute and just talk, talk about two-factor authentication with Evernote while we're on the subject? Sure. Okay, so it's, you know, this is kind of the growing movement on the web is when you've got these services that are storing important data, well, what can you do to protect it? And for a while, we had the idea of like little dongles you would get. I remember the first time I saw this was my brother-in-law at his work in order to get into the server or the VPN server at his work. He carried a thing on his keychain that automatically generated a six-digit number every couple minutes. And he had to get in with his username, his password, and the number off that dongle. And I thought that was, I thought that was great. I mean, this was several years ago. I'm like, these guys have got it figured out. And then iPhones showed up and then somebody said, hey, you know what? We could probably use that thing everybody's already got in their pocket to give you that same two-factor authentication without having to issue dongles to the whole world. And a bunch of companies have got into it, Evernote included. So uh, I have it enabled and Katie does too. When I go to log in from a new device and frankly use some other services to connect an account uh, to Evernote, quite often I will get a message that says, in order to do this, you need to type in the secret number we're going to text to you. And I get a little text message, I type it in, I'm off to the races. Uh, it's not that hard to set up. It's not that much of an inconvenience and it exponentially increases your security. So, so no, someone can't just get in with your name and password. They also need to have your phone. Was that a good summary? That's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Cause you right. were just silent at the end. No, I like, thought you did a great job. I didn't know. Maybe you were stewing about it. Like, I can't believe he said that. No, you did a great job. All right. All right. Good. So there's Enable all that. It. Yes, and I do. I do use two-factor authentication in Evernote. And don't you have all of your data in Dropbox? No. No? No. I've divested a lot of my you don't, you don't personal keep, data out. You don't keep your bank statements and your cable statements and all of that stuff in Dropbox? Um, some of it, yes. Some of it, but not any, like, bank statements don't go there. Okay. They're going to transport. I, I'm Frankly, I've, I've kind of moved to transporter with that kind of stuff. But that's the same thing, right? I mean, the, the, the most critical thing that I keep in Evernote is my bank statements. I mean, that's the most, you know, the most secure thing I can think of that is possibly in there that somebody could get to. And and I'm not sure what they could do to you with a bank statement. They would find out. They've got my account number and they'll see how poor I am. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Um, but like taxes, I keep those on the local drive. I, it's okay. I don't need to have access to that anywhere in the world. It's okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get a lot of email feedback about that. But the main reason to answer your question that I use Evernote for my paperless workflow and my paperless system is is pure convenience. And I, I started this process and I was so thankful I had this process in place a couple of years ago when I was applying for my mortgage. Because anybody who's applied for a mortgage recently, you know, post the mortgage meltdown here in the U.S., knows that it is ridiculous 
although probably very valid, the hoops that you have to jump through when you're trying to, you know, apply for a mortgage. And, you know, they'll, they'll ask you for all this information and then they'll ask you for the exact same information again. And then all of a sudden, oh, but we need one more thing. And oh my gosh, if we don't have this specific thing within this specific time frame, we're going to deny your application. I mean, it's just one ridiculous thing after another. And um, I will tell you, as far as things go, my process was pretty simple. I had a, a really great mortgage guy that I knew and that I worked with and um, you know, I was pretty upfront with him about, look, look, I've got everything. Just tell me what you need. Give me a list. I will check it off. I will send you a PDF with everything that you possibly need. Just one shot. And and he did pretty good. But, you know, one night at six o'clock, I'm, I remember to very distinctly, you know, I'm, I'm standing in the grocery line and I'm checking my email because, you know, it's a long line. I've got nothing better to do. And there's an email in there from him saying, hey, I am so sorry. This one thing has come up. Um, can you send me this particular bank statement? They need to verify something. And I need it before the bank closes on the West Coast or, or whatever it was. And you know what? Right there, before I put my phone back in my pocket and checked out of the grocery store line, I had opened up Evernote and emailed it to him directly from within Evernote. Found it, pulled it up, boom, done. Never left the grocery line. Don't you love that? I, I love when I do that to people with my paperless stuff too. And it just, it just completely freaks them out that you had the ability to get access to that so quickly. Right. I remember uh, like, this is a long time ago when we bought our house, we were on the verge of closing and I, w- I had just had it, you know how they always, the loan guys always want one more thing. And then they said um, like three years ago, Daisy, she had a personal uh, Nordstrom account and she hadn't made a payment on time. They said, we need you to explain why she didn't make that payment on time. And it's like three years earlier and I had no idea. And I was just, I said, you know what, tell them we don't know. And if we uh, don't get the loan because of that, then so be it. (laughs) And I just, (laughs) I was just done. And and that was actually a phone call. It wasn't an email, (laughs) but the, uh, and he never asked me another word and the loan went through. And I always felt like, I bet that guy just like wrote a letter, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, so so anyway next uh, on the next show you'll hear about how I got foreclosed upon because somebody listened to the show because of fraud there you go yeah exactly and And I'll be I'll be podcasting from the the local park (laughs) in the box yeah if you could get a box that would like break the wind or something that would be helpful yeah that would help um you know, we've got all these power tips for Evernote. We keep talking about, uh, I think, still some pretty generic stuff. Let's get through a little bit of the more generic stuff, do an ad, and then get to some of the, the more interesting things. Well, give, um, give me some examples of, of how you have use Evernote, and, and maybe I'll give yeah. you a few more of mine. But how are, yeah, how are you starting to use Evernote? So as I've grown into it, it's starting to get into the day job. And one of the big things, like I said earlier, was forms. And um, I have two kinds of forms. I have text, like plain text that I like to pull from. And one of the things, if you're listening and you're not an attorney, you don't know, attorneys are the worst plagiars in, in the country. You know, we see a contract and I see like a, a clause in there that I'm like, wow, that's a really great clause. I might need that someday. I grab that clause, the text out of it, and I save it to an NVALT text file. And I've got like something like a thousand text files in there. And I just might have one that says law X form, blah, 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 bankruptcy contingency clause, whatever. And uh, I may not use that for a couple of years, but when the, the opportunity arises, I can go grab that text. So that's one type of form. And then there's the type of form where there are actual contracts and pleadings and things that we've used before that we may want to draw upon again. And the documents I've 
kept in nested folders for a long time. Now I've started playing with the idea of putting them into Evernote. And Evernote makes it pretty easy. Uh, the Roach Motel no longer exists. I can put a Word document or a Pages document or even a PDF in there, and I can drag it back out easy enough, and things just work. So I've been toying with that. I've got a series of you know notebooks around forms. Um, I haven't gotten to the level of dropping text into it yet because my text system works so great. And you know, I'm such an advocate of plain text. And when you put at Evernote, you know, when you go in there and you look on the web or even the, the Mac app, the, you know, the font choices are like Arial and it's like all the web safe fonts and it doesn't look that great. It doesn't, it's really not that markdown friendly. You're uh, such I think a that, font snob. Well, I can't look at Arial all day. I'm sorry. Uh, but what about the, Helvetica Nueva? Yeah, I think they have that, don't they? Is that in there? I don't even I, know. I'm not looking at it right now. Uh, Noiva or something. I don't know. I think it's there's a Helvetica in there. I'm not sure which one it is. But I, also just, you know, I like I like the markdown stuff. I haven't really got there yet, but I could see myself being willing to put up with some of those frustrations to have it all in one place. I mean, the other problem I would have is it would be a monumental task for me to get all of that information over to Evernote from my existing folder system. And the search system, to the extent I've ex explored with this, my search system on NVALT is much more efficient. Like, you know, I have keywords into it. So I would have to get those into the system. That would be actually, if I was really going to get serious about that, I might get serious about using tags in Evernote. Well, you so just I, need to have Terps to write you a little something that'll export your keywords as tags and then export all your text into Evernote. I don't think he'd do that on a matter of principle, you know. <laughs> but, the, uh, but I am... Um, I don't know where I'm going with it, but I'm definitely getting more involved with kind of my day job stuff putting in there. I'm not putting any like client stuff up there or records of actual file documents. I, I just, I haven't kind of gone. I know lawyers that do it. I'm, I'm not sure that it's wrong, but I just haven't done it myself and looked into it deep enough to make it a, a big boy decision on that. Um, I also am using it to store uh, case notes, you know, uh, which is something I've traditionally done with text, but, that is kind of an interesting uh, exploration for me as well. So that's the kind of stuff I'm doing on the professional side. On the Max Sparky stuff, I'm storing a lot of stuff related to books. Um, I haven't got to the point yet where I'm storing reference materials for articles for Max Sparky. That stuff is done kind of pretty quickly these days with just, you know, Pocket or you know, whatever I'm using to store web clippings. Uh, I am interested, however, in looking at some additional uses. So I guess we'll talk about what you're doing. Um, well, I, I do a couple of things. And just since you mentioned it for, for the day job, and this could work for anybody's day job, I have a general admin folder because there's stuff that I do that's not actually lawyery stuff. There's stuff that I do that's affiliated with, gosh, how does our phone system work? And I had a meeting with this guy about upgrading our internet at the office. And what was the proposal for that? And I have a blueprint of our office that I've scanned and put into Evernote because, you know, that actually comes in handy sometimes. Somebody needs to know where this conduit is, or you need to give somebody a schematic to know whose office is where, or, you know, what was that contract that we signed um, with this particular service provider. So I've got a general admin notebook that, that all of that stuff goes in. And then like you, I have kind of a, a samples notebook. Um, and then I have what I call a, a reference notebook with, you know, interesting articles and things like that. 
But the one area where I have used tags, and probably the only people who will find this interesting as lawyers, but but maybe other areas, um, is, you know, David, we as lawyers, we have certain cases that we tend to reference over and over again for certain areas of law. So I know that if I'm filing a motion for summary judgment, I'm almost always going to reference certain types of cases. Or I know if I'm dealing with this particular type of boundary dispute action, that these are the cases on point that I always reference for this particular type of issue. And so what I have done with an Evernote is I have created a legal research stack. And inside that stack, I have a couple of different folders based on the main different areas of law that I use. And whenever I come across a case that I consider to be, you know, a really great case on a topic that I'm likely to see again, um, I will save that case and put it into Evernote. And then I will tag it with a couple of tags, you know, specifically what that what that case is referencing. So I yes, know I do, I do a similar thing, but in NVL and it's just plain text where I yeah. just capture pieces of it and I'll have uh, uh, law X R E S is the, basically the name tag that I use. And then I've got tons of you know notes under that with various bits of research. It's kind of funny. I just kind of grew up using this text files and, but Evernote suddenly is becoming a thing and maybe I want to do more with it. Um, but one of the things that intrigues me about Evernote is the way it's got all these services I can combine, you know, like the idea of geolocation, you know, I can combine photos it takes or where I was when I wrote something down. And then there's let's talk about geolocation, because I don't think I use geolocation very often. And it sounds like you use it all the time. No, I don't. But I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how all this, you know, all these pieces come together to bake a cake for me. And you know, there's some services like If This Then That and some other third party. I mean, people are starting to plug into Evernote. It's becoming a thing. And maybe there's some uses for that to me. I yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why I want to do the show. All right. Um, well, I, I want to hear a little more about how you're using Evernote. But before we do, I want to take a break and talk about our next sponsor. Um, and that is our good friends over at Text Expander. Um, and well, smile, the makers of Text Expander, I should say. Um, and Text Expander, probably next to Evernote, um, or just like Evernote, is one of my most used applications on the Mac because what Text Expander allows you to do is to take a, a couple of just characters. They don't even have to be letters, but just a couple of characters and expand them into much larger fragments of text. So this can be, you know, entire contracts, or it can just be something as simple as an email signature. And then you can even get very creative in what these snippets with Text Expander can do. And you can embed Apple Script. Um, you can embed fill in the blank forms. Um, you can embed, you know, pick one of these types of options. Uh, the possibilities are really just endless with Text Expander. And as you were talking about, David, there are a lot of ways that I use Text Expander to enhance. Evernote. So for example, when I have very specific ways that I want to um, label particular things into Evernote, I want to make sure that I have a very uniform naming convention. I use Text Expander for that because Text Expander is great for pre-populating information. So if I type dot date, for example, is my Text Expander abbreviation, Text Expander has a snippet that you can create that will put in the date of a and you can format it any way you want. So in my case I've got year dot month dot day. 
Um, or if I type in date semicolon, it will give me, you know, the full written out date as though I'm, I'm formatting a letter. Um, if I type in EVT semicolon, um, that stands for Evernote tax. Um, I use that when I'm sending a tax receipt into Evernote. So for example, what that will do is it will expand an entire snippet in text expander that will put in today's date. It will give me a pop-up field with a blank in it that will allow me to put in the subject and usually the, and call me for the subject and call me for the price of what I'm, I'm putting into Evernote. Um, and then it will pre-populate the end of it with an at tax receipts 2014, because that's my notebook where I store all of my tax receipts. And text expander is wonderful for doing these types of things because you make sure that you get it right every single time because text expander does it for you and they make sure that you get it right. Um, and you can even use text expander on iOS because they've got the great text expander touch application that you can use um, directly within the application on text expander touch, or they have done what I don't believe any other developer has done before they started doing this made their own app development kit so other developers could bake in text expander functionality. So when you type your text expander snippets into other applications, it just automatically expands. Absolutely love text expander. Um, one of my must have apps on, on any computer uh, and probably one of the first things that I install regardless of what I'm doing. You can find more information about text expander by going to smilesoftware.com. They have a free trial period, so you can download it and you can try it before you buy. And one of my favorite features, if you look in the preferences, is they'll actually tell you how many hours, days, months, years, whatever, at some point you have actually saved by using Text Expander, and you will be astonished. You can also pick up Text Expander Touch for iOS. It's available in the iOS App Store. So thank you to our good friends at Smile for continuing to sponsor Mac Power users. I've got a, um, I told you I have a little partition that I'm running the uh, Yosemite build on and yep. I've been pl playing with it, but it's a small partition. It's not going to hold my whole Dropbox and text expander for me syncs through Dropbox. Um, but testing the Yosemite build is actually trying to do work. I, like the other night I said, well, I'll just go through my email on it. See how the new email's working. It was unusable for me. Without text expander. It was just, <laughs> I'm going to have to make my own, like, um, I'm just going to have to have a Selective local. Selective sync. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make a very limited sync, or even just populate my own local text expander library on that partition. But I haven't decided yet. But the uh, it, it is not going to be possible for me to do anything on it without text expander installed. Um, what I was thinking while you were talking though was this geolocation stuff kind of just goes around the whole subject of mobile Evernote. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in it now is that suddenly we've got these mobile devices that have so much more information they can collect. Not only do we want to access the stuff that you, we've been talking about so far in the show in terms of the archives and the data files that you've got. I mean, you want to get that while you're in line at the grocery store, but I also am interested in using this as a capture device and this is something where, you know, we've got solutions currently, but we've got all these different uh, varied solutions where I think Evernote could be kind of that all in one, if that's something you were looking for. And the geolocation stuff, as an example, would be, you know, you can take a picture, it's going to geotag it and save it to a notebook. Well, you can do that in a lot of ways on iOS, but Evernote very conveniently puts it all in one place. And then you can view the data in reference to location. 
And then you start looking at some of these third-party services, and can you start accessing that data and use that to perform rules on it? I mean, the real goal of the Mac Power users is to enable listeners to suddenly have their computers do a little bit more thinking for them and make it easier for them to get on with whatever it is they want to do, whether it be more work or hopefully more fun. And I think there's some real hope for me with with Evernote that this could be something that could do that. Well, how are you using, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the mobile app, because the mobile app for Evernote has really evolved quite a bit over the years. Um, you know, I know you didn't like the mobile app initially um, with Evernote. I didn't like the stability of it. Yeah. And I didn't like the slowness of it, yes. Yeah. But it's it's much better now. Yeah. But um I use the mobile app with Evernote very frequently, um, with the uh the camera app to just do quick capture of things. And I tell you what I really like, um, and I, we've talked about it before, so I won't spend much time, but is that business card camera feature now. I think that might yeah. only be available to um to premium members, but that is just Absolutely awesome, and that is how I'm I'm handling most of my my stuff. If you are a premium member, you get some additional features within that mobile app, um, including the ability to add a passcode lock. So I have a separate passcode lock that's different from my regular passcode on Evernote than I do um, in uh, on my. You know, Katie, yeah, I just I just want to go over there and make you chicken soup. I'm sorry. I've got. I can hear you struggling. Yeah, you can. I'm You've just... had this cold for like two months. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the listeners. That's uh, okay, but I just, I really, I would make you some soup. I appreciate if that. you weren't, you know, three thousand miles away. Well, um, and offline notebooks is another big one that you can have um, with the premium features, which yeah. means if you don't have access to a Wi-Fi connection, that data is downloaded to your phone, and I use that all the time when I travel. Since we've gone there, what else do you get? So I believe, is it $45 a year? Is that still the price? Um, it's either $5 a month or if you prepay, it's $45 a year. And that gets you the premium. It allows you to upload more data. Um, it, Not only do you get more upload capacity, um, you get a gigabyte of monthly upload capacity, but you also get an increased maximum note size of up to 100 megabytes. Yeah, and... Um, they give you, and here's one where I don't know the answer to this. Now, it used to be you had to go premium to get it to do OCR and PDF files. Is that still the case? Yes. Okay, so that I think that's but kind it of will, a big but deal. It, but it will do both search inside PDF and attached documents. Yeah, And it I, I puts you at the top of the queue for OCR and images. I think that's kind of a big deal. If you're going to use it to store PDFs, that you'd want to have it do the OCR for you. Um, I, I'm a premium subscriber. and um, I think I might have let it lapse at one point because I just wasn't using that much. But then as I got more into it, I went ahead and subscribed again. Another good resource for this while we're talking about third party, well, we're actually, we aren't actually talking about it right now, but it just occurs to me. And you know how flaky my brain is, is uh, Brett Kelly. He, he was a guest on the show. We'll, we'll link that. He wrote a book, Evernote Essentials, which is kind of the canonical Evernote he, book. Which he, he wrote the he, book, yeah. And he continues to update it. And... He's my friend, and him and I meet for hamburgers every, like, th four months. He, he oh, lives in Orange County, too. Did I you know that? I want to have hamburgers with Brett Kelly. You get to have all oh. the fun. You have breakfast with Jason Snell and hamburgers with Brett Kelly. What else do you do over there? Oh, I do all kinds of fun stuff. I can't tell you at all. Not all of it's legal. 
so uh, get a premium account. But we, we were we we got kind of on a tangent. But getting back to the mobile device, uh, other than accessing all the stuff that you very carefully put in it, how do you use Evernote to capture on mobile? I use the camera quite a bit. Um, but when I'm just entering text into Evernote, I almost exclusively do that through drafts. Yeah, that's nice. The The drafts Evernote component, like I said, it's kind of what brought me back into Evernote because it's pretty powerful. And the nice thing about taking pictures in Evernote is it's not inside your photo stream. So if you just want to take a picture of a taco because it was a really great taco and you want to remember it, Maybe that's not photo stream worthy, or maybe it is. I guess it depends I've how much you like tacos. Never had but, that experience, but okay. Oh, I have all the time. There's some good tacos here in Southern California. Uh, but the um, either way, you can you can, if you want to take a picture kind of off the reservation, not put it into photo stream. That's a good place to do it. If you're doing research on something, that's another great thing. Like I was uh, researching projectors. We were going to buy a new projector for the office, and I. I went to the store and I just wanted to remember everything. So I'd take a picture of the front and I'd take a picture of all the connections and back. And I know I could look that up on the internet, but it was nice just having quick access to it. And I would do that in Evernote. Um, I still use the uh, Evernote camera and the mobile app to record tea. So I do have a little tea database. It started many years ago and it has resumed. Uh, I didn't I th- know that there were multiple kinds of tea. Oh, yes, there are. I know. You just like that stuff that, um, what's it? Earl Grey. Lip, Lipton. Hot. Lipton. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Uh, but I think there's some more uses for it on a mobile basis. In fact, maybe that's something for the feedback show. If you guys are doing something interesting and in let us know so we can share it with the listeners the next time we do a feedback show. But, oh, my gosh. Have you seen Twitter? Oh, yeah. We, we got some great comments on Twitter, but. Let's get through the outline, then we'll get through some of that at the end. Okay. Well, the other quick thing I'll, I'll mention, and this is is not mobile, but when you install Evernote on your Mac, um, you do get a little elephant in your toolbar, which is kind of fun to say. But that's a quick way to add text into Evernote, because there is no Drafts app on the Mac for your toolbar. But you can use some other services on the Mac, like LaunchBar, or Alfred, um, connected with other services, or the little elephant toolbar in your Mac to um, send quick text notes to Evernote. One of the downsides of capturing text quick in Evernote versus my NVALT system is NVALT is really engineered around getting to your file very quickly. I mean, you just type in a few letters and it's going to quickly cycle down. And then with a couple keystrokes, you're done. I find, you know, navigating to a data file in Evernote just isn't that fast. If I search it, it gets me too many results. And if I drill through notebooks, I mean, I can do that, but that's going to take a little bit longer. Okay. You, you don't sound impressed. Well, no, I, I understand. I get where you're coming from. But yeah, there are some, one of the, the improvements that Evernote made, and I agree that I, I need to learn how to use this better, is they've, they've really improved their search, and you can now put search strings and, and limit your search to certain notebooks. I mean, you can become a power Evernote searcher. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something I should probably put some time into if I get into this deeper. Yep. Hey, I want to talk about the last sponsor and then I want to, I want to get to, we've got some great like power tip stuff here and we haven't done it. I want to give that stuff enough time. So uh, let's talk about our last sponsor though. And that is hover. We're so happy to have hover back. You know, when you have a great idea and you want to secure a domain name for it, 
You want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity? With Hover, you'll find the perfect domain to bring your idea to life. It's easy. Just search for the domain you want and enter a few keywords. Seems like every time I do one of these spots, Katie comes up with some idea that I realize I have to go buy, like Max Barky. I still have that one. Uh, and Hover will show you the best available options and suggestions. So they've got a huge variety of domain names and extensions like .com, .net, .io, country codes, whatever you need. They've pretty much got it covered and you'll get a smart control panel built in DNS and you can even add a custom email or Google apps account if you want. Um, Hover offers valet transfer service to make it easy and possible to move your domains for no additional cost. I mean, isn't that terrifying when you've got a domain and you've got your business tied to it or a big part of your personal life and suddenly you want to switch to a different domain service? You know that the guy that's doing it for you now isn't really doing a very good job and they're always trying to get you to buy extra services you don't need. You don't even like the relationship, but you feel a hostage. Well, you shouldn't feel that way if you go over to Hover because the valet service will just help you transfer it over. They'll do the dirty work for you. I did this and I had one where my former domain server was really kind of throwing up roadblocks and making it difficult. And the Hover guys, they didn't know who the heck I was. It wasn't because I do these ad spots. It's because they, they help everybody. And they got on the phone with me. We got it sorted out and I got all the domains transferred. And I didn't lose that. You know, the credit for the time, you don't have to wait until the domain expires. You can do this anytime. And to top it all off, Hover has real human beings available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. So if you've got any problem, pick up the phone and call somebody. Now, uh, one of the things I like about Hover is in addition to domain services, they have a really great IMAP mail service. And I run the whole Max Sparky Empire email service off Hover do a great job. I've had it now for years. I've got multiple accounts. I've got, you know, like the feedback account and I even have one for Daisy and I've got, you know, different email accounts. It all runs through Hover. Uh, uh, that makes sense to make your own unique email addresses. So if you get your domain, why not tie it to Hover and you can have that account set up. It's all handled in one control panel and they just do a great job. Um, I, I really like it. So when you sign up for Hover, you can get 10% off your first purchase. If you use the, the, the code, Katie, you know what it is, right? I have no Def idea. DEFCON 5. The controversial DEFCON 5. That's D-E-F-C-O-N 5, the number 5. And we will get a little credit for that. People will know that Mac Power Users listeners are using Hover, so that helps us out. But it also gets you 10% off. So why not go do it right now? Hover.com. Everybody check it out and get your domain while they're hot. Thanks, Hover, for sponsoring the show. All right. Evernote tips. Yeah. I, you know, I started looking into, there's this whole ecosystem of services around Evernote that's growing because it's become such a big thing. Um, one of them I started looking into, like, have you heard of this Mohio map? M-O-H-I-O-M-A-P? I think I've heard Brett tweet about it, but I don't think I've ever quite understood it. So tell me it's about it. It's crazy. I, I set it up and what it does is you give it, you know, talking about third-party services, you connect it to your Evernote. They can also connect to your Dropbox account and it creates essentially a mind map of your notebook structure and you can start moving things around. It gives you a way to visually see what's in your Evernote. It's, wow. it's totally fun. Go check it out. Okay. Um, and, and that's kind of another way to start thinking about how you're structuring your files. 
I'm not sure how useful it is yet. I just hooked it up yesterday because, you know, I was researching for the show, but I'm like, this is the kind of thing I can really wrap my head around. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, another thing I like about it is Evernote's got really robust if this, then that support. Um, you know, they've just, you know, because it's a cloud-based service, they've always been pretty good at connecting the, the channels to the various services like um, drafts and if this, then that, because they've got so many ways to get in. I mean, you can't, not only can you just send something to them with an email, if you put a tag in it, you can add tags. We didn't mention that, by the way. In addition to the reference line, having the at symbol with a notebook name, you could also put the hashtag with a tag name and it would automatically tag it. But because they make it so easy to use that, that makes it easy for these third-party services to build more into it. Um, I'm looking at the If This Then That page right now and loading up all the various Evernote um, channel uh, potentials. So you've got a trigger where you can create a new shared note link. You can create a note. You can append a note. You remember appended notes that we used to talk about with Quicksilver? Yeah. Uh, you can set that up right in Evernote. Um, we didn't even mention about to-do lists. And it's just really not for me because I've got OmniFocus that solves that problem in a much bigger way. But if you've got simple needs for a to-do list, you can do that in Evernote. You can create a linked note. Uh, you can create an image note from a URL. I mean, all the stuff through If This Then That. Um, I think that's kind of fun. Have you done much of that? I've done um, some If This Then That support with uh, other services. So if I star something, send it to Evernote or, oh, you know, we, we have to go to a total tangent, but we may do a whole show on this, you know, Launch Center Pro got if this and that support, and that opens up a whole new world for keying into stuff. And so now anything you can trigger with Launch Center, you can now send to Evernote. Yeah. The, now the pipes Launch are Center connected. Pro, yeah, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you can take tweets that you favorited. So if there's something that you want to go back and follow up on, um, you can send that to Evernote or, um, you know, pocket articles that you star or favorited, you can send to Evernote. Yeah. You know, things that you yeah. want to store for, for more archival type things. That's actually a, um, a thought for like our feedback workflow. I mean, we do get a lot of good feedback from tweets from listeners and I don't think we do a very good job of capturing those. There's no reason why with a little thought, we couldn't figure a way to, to have that automatically through if this and that go into the Evernote feedback notebook. Yeah, that would be really easy to do. I could set that up. I could set yeah. that up while you're talking, actually, but I won't. I'll I'll, I'll create an OmniFocus task to do that this weekend. <laughs> um, there's there's other power features that people are using with Evernote. Um, the there's an there's kind of a you know we've talked in the past about services versus products. Uh, Evernote has come up with a whole line of products around their service. And so now they're not just selling ones and zeros. They're selling like moleskin notebooks. Is it moleskin? Is that yeah, how you say it? Or or is it moleskine? I think that's how Merlin says it. Okay. So that must be, whatever he says is right. So that must be the proper name. But, right. uh, and they've got this. Have you used one of these notebooks? I do. I have one, yes. Okay. How often do you use it? Uh, I go back and forth as to whether or not I'm, I'm going to use it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this whole thing. Gosh, do you want a dissertation on this? Um, I really like the idea of being able to write something and have it show up digitally. Yeah. And, you know, I've been it's so captured then. Yeah, yeah. I've been so intrigued by that live scribe pen, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Cause I got burned by one of the early versions. And sometimes I just write on a, 
on a legal pad and throw it through my scan snap and and that works too but there's just something that doesn't feel very i don't know what's the word sophisticated about that yeah although i do that every day but but if it works you know it works and these the, these moleskin notebooks are very nice so what i've started doing when um when I have meetings with people or if I want to make notes with things. And right now it's only been personal because I, I don't want to use it for client data. So it's, it's somewhat limited in its use um, is I will pull out my moleskin notebook in my pen and I will take notes and then I will um, take pictures of it with my Evernote camera. And then it automatically uh, puts it, sh- it into Evernote. It shows up to Evernote and David, it does a pretty decent job of recognizing my handwriting. And it has to be the the moleskin notebook? I mean, what is the technology involved? Okay, well, here's the thing. It does a much better, it is designed to work with the Evernote notebook. Because you know how the uh, LightScribe has those little micro dots? Yes. The moleskin notebook has not the same micro dot, but a similar type of technology. It, It has little dots. Instead of having lines that you write on, the lines are truly little dots, if that makes sense. Um, So it has little dots to help it recognize things. So I have taken pictures of my legal pads before and put those into Evernote as well. And it does a pretty okay job of recognizing my handwriting, but it's definitely designed to work with the notebooks and it does a better job. And then they come with stickers that you can tag things that will show up in notebooks. I've got to the point where I go into a meeting these days and I um, I bring an iPad and we were, whoever buys the stuff at my day job, they just get these increasingly cheap legal pads to where now the paper is so thin and it makes me unhappy. So I, I started buying the Levenger um, notepads, which are kind of expensive, but it's really good thick paper. And it makes me take, with the extent I take notes. And then at the end, I just go and I scan it with my scan snap. I'm not like, that's an example of something I'm not ready to put in an Evernote or Dropbox. I scan it directly to the local network and it just stays there. Now, um, you use yellow legal pads for that or white? Because white scans no. better. I use, I, I use the Levenger's got these really great ones with a grid on it. You know, yeah. I keep talking about how much I love grids. Uh, so they've got, what is it? The left, like maybe one quarter is open white space. And then there's a grid on the right, maybe, you know, three quarters. And it's, it's great paper. Okay. So these are white pages, not yellow, like a typical yeah. legal pad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I keep trying to get the people in my office to buy white legal pads because they'd be easier for me to scan, but they don't. It's a thing. It's a thing. Um, so, but they've got these services. Another thing they have, speaking of of scanning, is they've got their own Evernote ScanSnap device, and it's a branded Evernote ScanSnap iX five hundred. I'm I, not a fan of that. I got know? to play with it a little bit. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it's fast, but it really is designed for someone whose whole world is inside Evernote. And, yeah, I'd want I'd and, want more options. And even with my whole world being inside Evernote, you can do. And just to be clear. You can do everything you can with the regular iX500 with the Evernote edition, I'm told. But uh, you have to kind of like get out of the Evernote version of the software. And um, it's not hard to set up the existing ScanSnap. In fact, I think it comes out of the box set up to put everything into Evernote. So the, um, something we, ha- we, ha- 
Yeah, something we hadn't talked about, um, and I believe this is only with a subscription, but the offline uh, notebooks, you know, the ability to download and save it. I think that's a good tip. If there's somewhere you're going to be going where you're not sure you're going to have Internet connection, download the notebook. Like if this is a great travel day trip, one of the things we do with Evernote, I think just about everybody uses Evernote finds this is a good solution is you save in your trip agenda and, you know, your boarding passes and things like that. It's just nice to have another local copy of that stuff very easily accessible, but you want to download that. So if you don't have an internet connection for any reason, you can get, get it quickly. And related to that, um, don't be afraid to set up temporary notebooks. Don't be afraid to set up a notebook for a trip. And then when the trip is over, delete that notebook and everything in it. It's not going to hurt you. It's fine. You sure? I'm sure. Okay. Be okay. Um, a couple of tips that, that I use, and I talked about this a little bit, but never dug into it is I use an inbox in Evernote. And um, I don't, do you use an inbox? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, and then basically I just have something called um, at inbox. And the reason for the at symbol is so that it's at the very top of my alphabetical order list. And everything I scan goes into the inbox. And that's basically my inbox that, that I process things with. See, I try to uh, pre-sort as much as possible. Like, like I was talking about earlier with the web clipper, if I see an article, I want to get it into the appropriate notebook if I can without putting it in an inbox. Well, um, and that's where automation comes in to the extent that you can. Um, if wherever you can automate, whether it be with Hazel, whether it be with your email rules, whether it be with the web clipper or, or if this, then that, to the extent that you can take that organization piece out of it, more power to you. Yeah. Uh, but if there's something that's not easily automatically organized, it just goes in the inbox and then occasionally I will go through it. I'll tell you the other thing that I do quite frequently to get things into Evernote is I will print a PDF to Evernote. So you, okay. we, all, we all know that in, in Mac OS X, one of the big things was the ability to print to PDF. You know, you've got that command P, command, or command P, command P trip. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... If you install the non-Mac App Store version of Evernote, I think it just installs a service within the print dialog box that when you go to that same dropdown that says print to Evernote. Um, the problem is, is if you install the Mac App Store version, you don't get that. Yeah, see, I didn't even know that. It, I, I knew that was possible, but I didn't know that distinction. Yeah. Um, it's super easy to fix, and I'll put a link to a blog post that I did explaining it. But the the short version is is all you have to do is put an alias of the Evernote application inside your user library PDF services folder. Boom, done. Now Evernote is in your print to PDF menu or print PDF to Evernote menu. And that would be substantially faster for someone who's saving all their paperless documents like you because the process of saving it to, for instance, the desktop and then dragging into Evernote just adds more time and frustration. It can, yeah. And all things considered, um, there are times my preferred document format for things in Evernote is probably PDF because PDFs are so easy to get back out. You know, if I don't care about having something being editable, you know, many times I just rather be in Evernote as PDF. Yeah. Now we've got uh, some listener feedback, but we did the little call out on Twitter and man, we got a lot of context. You know, every, a lot of people are really excited about using Evernote. Uh, it's clear from this. Uh, Michael wrote in and said he has 20 gigabytes of role-playing game PDFs in Evernote. And that's a perfect solution. I mean, you've got no security risk. It's all searchable. He can get it wherever he wants. If he's holding his iPad, he can get, you know, he can figure out what level troll he's got, what kind of constitution it needs. I don't even know what any of that means. Did you ever play uh, Dungeons and Dragons? 
I thought RPG was rocket propelled grenades. You sure he doesn't have twenty gigabytes of rocket propelled grenades? In I think of- in your I think in your world it is actually rocket propelled grenades with bat lifts attached and sharks with lasers. Um, T wrote in and. It- their sister is expecting their a first child. And so they have a shared Evernote notebook to gather nursery ideas and checklists and web articles. And that's a great use for Evernote. Um, I know that when I was building my house, I had an Evernote notebook created totally to that. And I would grab ideas of, you know, clippings of, oh, I really like this faucet or I really like this cabinet design. I think that's a great idea for a baby in designing a nursery. That's wonderful. It just the whole idea of family shared notebooks opens a lot of ideas. Like if you have any kind of major family project, it's not a bad idea. As, as I was reading this, I was thinking it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to set up one for vacation planning as, you know, Daisy and I are planning a vacation in a couple months. We thought, well, you know, whenever we see something interesting, we could just drop it in there. All you're going to have is pictures of Hawaii. That's, <laughs> you know, what I know you. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> well, you know, subtle. It's subtle. If I could just get that in there. Um, Curtis wrote in, uh, he's using it for a paperless system. I, you know, that's just not unusual because you've got tagging, you've got folders, you've got automatic OCR. There's a lot of good reasons to just do all your paperless in Evernote. Uh, we got lots of people who are saying that they're, they're using it for paperless. Um, Solomon says, and that's actually their Twitter name, that they use it for um, recipes. And just general loose notes on individual products. I too have my recipes uh, in Evernote because I don't cook that much. I, I maybe have a dozen or two recipes in Evernote, and it works really well. But I'll tell you what I've what I've done with Evernote is I'm I'm trying to add more recipes to my collection. I'm not necessarily cooking them. I'm just adding them, and. Um, so a lot of websites I'll go to and I'll find recipes and I'll clip them using that web clipper. Yeah. Um, a couple of people wrote in and said that they're using Evernote as part of their GTD system. And this is something that I've actually started exploring. Uh, you know, like when I have OmniFocus and I have uh, documents, I can put them on the task You know, you can embed things in OmniFocus, but it starts to goof with your library. It starts to get really big. And I got thinking, well, why not have those things as reference links? And so you could save something to Evernote and, and Evernote makes it really simple to get a link for the uploaded product or, or um, uploaded digital file. And then you can put that into the note section in OmniFocus and you can tap on it. And it even will open smart enough to open the app. So if like you're an iOS, you can very quickly access that file on the iOS version of Evernote. And that's not a bad idea. Um, I think you could, you know, if you needed like a reference route library as part of your task system and you wanted to offload that Evernote would, pr- would be a pretty good place to do that. Um, Krishna actually gave us a, a blog post, a link to a blog post with um, how they use Evernote. And they've got a lot of links on here, but a couple that popped out. Um, book ideas, which would you talk about this one? Um, car maintenance. I also keep my car maintenance in Evernote. So I know when I had my oil change or I know when was that timing belt replaced um, and coupon codes and other deals. I know um, occasionally I'll pull like the, the red box codes and I'll stick them in Evernote. And so when I'm standing at the red box, I can pull them up. Yeah, and That's true, we also yeah. got um, Brooke, a friend of the show, Brooks Duncan, who does Document Snap, and who's a big paperless guy, wrote in, and he just happened to have made a blog post. Well, actually, it's not that new. It's November 2012. But either way, um, uh, how he uses Evernote, we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes, too. But he uses a lot of the same things we do, blog ideas, transitional documents, recipes, business cards, blah, blah, blah. So uh, yeah. you can go check that out. 
the one thing that I think he put in here, um, and I've started using Evernote for this, um, is kind of preserving family memories. And we went through a lot of family documents last year when my grandfather passed, and we found all of this, you know, treasure trove of data, but you can't keep everything. Um, but if you digitize it, it's a lot easier to keep these things. And so inside Evernote, I have, you know, every Christmas letter that my mom's family wrote from the time that my grandparents were married up in, up until he died. Um, you know, I have his, his flight certificate, you know, when he got certified to fly, I have his military discharge papers. You know, I didn't keep everything, but I, but I do have an Evernote notebook in there that I kind of call family heirlooms. Or it's interesting when, that you'd put that in Evernote. See, I've got some stuff like that too, but it's all saved in my nested folder system. Yeah. And for some reason, I just don't see myself putting that in Evernote. We've actually got an article. One of my ancestors was um, scandalously walking around somewhere in Missouri with no pants. Hmm. And I like to think that that's kind of my, um, you know, that's who I get it from. Yeah. Well, everything that I put in there is a PDF. And so I feel very confident that I'll be able to get it out at some point someday. Yeah, that, no, I, I don't think you won't either. But for some reason in my head, I haven't got to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I just put that in Evernote. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's easy for me to access. I can pull it up anywhere. And I, I can also very easily share it with family. So if I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table and I'm talking to my cousin, I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, we'll check this out. And I'll pull it up on my iPad. Yeah, um, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So what else can we say about Evernote here in 2014? Well, I guess we should talk uh, very basically, um, we didn't mention it, Evernote.com. Um, Evernote is free for basic use, or as you said, $5 a month or $45 a year for premium features. Uh, I used I used Evernote, the free version, for a couple of years before I upgraded to premium. I think it's one of those things that you need to find, you know, don't try to force it into your workflow, um, you know, don't try to come up with a reason to start using Evernote and start, you know, just make yourself use Evernote. Uh, try to figure out, and hopefully this idea, or this show has given you a few ideas. Are there some friction points and are there some, some places that Evernote could make your life easier? Uh, and give it a try. Evernote is something different for everybody. Um, I've never seen two Evernote databases that are alike. And if you use your Evernote database in a completely different way than either David or I or anybody else does, more power to you. Well, one last topic I have on this is just kind of the future of everything buckets. One of the questions that comes to mind as I was prepping for the show is, is this kind of a flash in the pants um, or you know, are everything buckets a temporary fix or are they a long-term solution? Are we headed somewhere in the future where everybody's going to need these everything buckets or are the various app developers and people that we're dealing with going to get so good at cloud-based storage for all of the various pieces we use that we're not going to be as inclined to use everything buckets. We're instead going to have, you know, specific containers for pictures and containers for text and all the various pieces. I don't really know the answer to it. I do think that it's getting a lot easier for uh, any company to come up with a cloud-based storage solution. I mean, just kind of hot on the heels of WWDC, Apple's seems to be uh, promising that they're going to deliver. We still have yet to see that. But not only that, they're promising that they're going to be making very affordable, if not free services available for, for app developers to do this cloud-based storage. And it makes me wonder how important something like Evernote is going to be in five years. 
I think it will still be around. I think it will still be very relevant. Um, I, I won't lie and say that that's a, a, not a concern because it, it is. We've all had services that we love and have depended on that, that have gone away. And so to your point, and I actually told the Evernote people that they were very eager to get our feedback um, when I went and met with them when we went up to Macworld. They said, well, what things would you change? And, and I said, well, um, I, I want to be able to know that I can get all my data out of Evernote and it's it's easy to do. But I I think until all of our data is in the cloud, until my hard drive is in the cloud and my computer is anywhere, I think there will always be a need for a service like Evernote. Because one of the things that I like about Evernote is I can store anything and almost everything in it. And I don't have to think about, okay, well, what's in Dropbox? What's in iCloud? What's in this particular app? What's in this particular container? I know that if it is in this category of documents for me, it's in Evernote. Yeah, and I agree. That's the reason why I'm actually toying with the idea of putting my tech stuff into Evernote, because I've got the the Word documents and the Pages documents and the spreadsheets in there for my form stuff. So why wouldn't I have the text in the same container? Um, and I think the other big question that comes out of all of this is uh, that the general philosophical question is technology users. Are we looking for best in breed or are we looking for jack of all trades? And that's a question that I face several times. And I think generally my inclination is not a jack of all trades, that I want the best in breed, even if it means I have to jump between different things. You know, it, I, it's why I would want something like OmniFocus to manage my tasks. Uh, because I want the best, most powerful tool to do that. Now, I don't know what the vector is on that either. I mean, maybe everything is going to get so powerful that that's not as big of a concern. But uh, Evernote definitely is a jack of all trades in a world where a lot of us are really big fans of best in breed. So uh, I don't think either one of us have really all the answers. But this is kind of fascinating to see, at least my own relationship with Evernote, how I kind of got cold and I'm kind of getting warmer towards it. And for me, the parts that are really intriguing to me is to the extent that they've got these automation hooks and I can start using it to do things like managing feedback for Mac power users without having to invest more time. You know, it allows me to get, you know, out in the yard with my kids a little bit sooner. Well, then it's something I'm interested in. So we're going to watch and see how it goes. Definitely send us your feedback. We'll put it into the feedback show. And uh, thanks everyone for sticking with us through another Evernote show. And I hope that, uh, that you've got something out of this. Uh, we'll have links, as David said, um, which you can find on our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, and if you want to send us some feedback and maybe send it, get it in that feedback show, that email address is feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, and, and really send us a voice message if you can, because I love hearing from the listeners. Uh, and you can do that right on your iPhone. Send it to the same email address. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Uh, Katie's at Katie Floyd. I'm at Max Sparky. Yeah, and folks, thanks for hanging in there with me. I know my voice wasn't the best tonight, and I was, I was stuttering throughout part of this. But uh, this was a great show, and I'm so glad, David, that I got to talk to you about it. And, uh, one of my favorite topics. I'm glad to be here. All right, we'll see you all next time.